Tappers, what's up? It is the Friday edition of the Daily Tap for February 26th. Hope everybody is doing well. A birthday shout out to our guy, Nolan Murphy. He turns the 3-0. You hear him on Tapping the Keg every now and again. He usually checks in once a quarter. Hoping to do a couple more things with Murph as we get closer to draft season. So stay tuned for that. We have a good show today. I'm excited. We're going to talk Drew Holiday extension, why it's a no-brainer, why the Bucks need to do it tomorrow, and get it done. And I think we're all in on that. And hopefully Holiday is too. We'll see. We'll talk about the angles there. We'll talk about maybe some other opportunities for him and where where they stand. Next, we'll talk about the Bucks win against the New Orleans Pelicans, why a, a week, all it takes is a week in the NBA to feel a lot different about your basketball team. Then we'll talk about how the NFL is turning itself into the NBA with the latest Russell Wilson news. And lastly, ticket story time about a 2002 Packer game. We're going to have a lot of fun with ticket story time. I am very fired up for ticket story time tonight. So I don't know if you guys listen to our segments at the end. If you do, great. If you don't, um, I would recommend this one. But we'll start with the Bucs and we'll start with Drew Holiday. Today is the day that the Bucks can sign Drew Holiday to a four-year, 135, excuse me, million-dollar deal for to stay with Milwaukee. It would be an extension. The Bucks could make Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis their core for the next anywhere from three to six years. I would believe that the Milwaukee Bucks would want to do this. There is some understanding that the reason why the Bucks traded for Drew Holiday is that he would sign this extension. There has nothing been official, but if you read Jim Orzowski's piece about Drew Holiday yesterday about this extension, it seems like a hashtag done deal. I don't want to trigger my Marquette friends, but that is what it seems like. It seems like the Bucks and Holiday will come to an agreement sooner rather than later. I don't think I'm breaking any news. I feel pretty good in things I've heard a little bit. Like, I'm not saying I have sources, right? But And I'm not a reporter. I think I love, like, Ryan Marcillo was talking a little bit about Russell Wilson today and was like, I'm not a reporter, but I've heard, like, these things. So I, and I don't feel comfortable reporting on them. It's kind of how I am. Like, I'll tell you guys stuff that I hear. Like, I've also heard for, about Holiday that, like, his COVID stuff was really bad. Like, it was not good. So I would not be surprised if we don't see Holiday until after the All-Star break. I think that's really where Holiday's ETA, uh, I'd be surprised if we see him before that. I know he's practicing. I know he's back on the court. But it's going to take him a lot of time to kind of get back and be healthy again. Remember, it took Pat Connington 17 or 18 days to get back from his COVID issue right before the bubble. So I think you're going to see a similar timeline with Holiday, maybe even a little bit longer. But as for the contract itself, I, I've heard that yeah, it's it's kind of a done deal. Like it's going to happen. It depends on whether it's going to happen tomorrow or today, or it's going to happen in a week, or they're going to wait a few few weeks and then it's going to happen. I don't know. But the core of the Milwaukee Bucks from a team perspective with Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday is locked in. That is what the Bucks want to have moving forward. That is their team. That is their core. And it is a damn good one at that. It is as good of a big three as you have in basketball. I know that might sound crazy to some people, but it is really fucking strong. Like, yeah... Brooklyn has probably the best big three right now with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and 
and Kyrie Irving. No one's going to come close to that. Those are two, three, two top 10 players. Kyrie, I probably would take Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday over Kyrie Irving. I know that's a, that take for some people, you might fall out of your fucking chair. But trust me, I would, I don't just look at like skill. Like, is Kyrie Irving more skilled than both Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton? Absolutely. But are they, is he a better teammate? I don't think so. I don't know how anyone can say that Kyrie Irving's a better teammate than Drew Holiday or Chris Middleton. So, but I don't want to divert the conversation. Basically, the Bucs will have the second best big three in basketball. I, I think with, with Brooklyn, yes, Brooklyn's going to be the premier big three. But you look at others in the league, and I don't know if they compare to the skill and talent that the Bucs have on their roster. And that is really exciting for Bucks fans. And I know that Bucks fans aren't going to want to hear this, but here we go. It extends your window. And it doesn't make this window like a one-year thing. I know we are all thirsty for a championship, like an Instagram model that posts a picture of her ass. Like, that's how thirsty everybody is. Like, they, you're like up close on her asshole right now. That's how thirsty Bucks fans are because they want that title so goddamn bad. And I get it. Like, right? Like, we all want it. But at the same time, if you add more years on Drew Holiday plus what you have with Giannis, plus what you have with Middleton, that window is wide the fuck open. And it doesn't have to happen this year. I know everybody wants it to happen this year, but the NBA, we are so quick. We we want change. We want results. It, it is not a league of patience. And the NFL is starting to become that way too, and we'll get to that because that's a whole other can of worms. But the NBA is that right away you have to be good and I'm not saying the Bucks should be shitty with this team I'm not saying like another second round exit is acceptable but if the Bucks go toe-to-toe with Brooklyn let's just hypothetically say this let's say they go toe-to-toe with Brooklyn uh, for the Eastern Conference Finals and the Bucks lose in seven games to the Nets is anyone really going to be mad at the Bucks? I'm sure people will find ways to be mad but are you really going to be mad that the Bucks lost to Irvin, Durant, and Harden in a seven-game series? In a best-of-seven knockout, drag-out war? No, not at all. Or if the Bucks get to the finals, but they don't win it, I do think that will give the Bucks a lot of leeway with their fan base. I really do. If the Bucks get to the finals, but they don't win, I think a lot of fans start to kind of change their tune a little bit. But and, and I think LeBron and Steph Curry for for uh, I think LeBron and Steph Curry have spoiled fans because LeBron and Curry got there so often, and because LeBron and Curry got there so often, I think fans and this is part of that instant gratification. We're like, oh my god, it's easy to get to the fucking finals, and it's not like the NFL where I always say it's really fucking hard to win a Super Bowl. It, it is hard to win a championship in the NBA, but I do think it's the easier one out of baseball, football, and hockey. I think I think basketball is the easiest out of the four. So I do think it's an attainable championship, but I do think that LeBron and Curry have spoiled a lot of fans' mindset of like, okay, this is not like 
you can go to the finals every year if you want to. Jordan also has some of that blame too, right? You can be a premier team and maybe you just become that damn good. And who knows? Like, remember, LeBron didn't start going on his finals run until his late 20s, early 30s. There is no reason to think that Giannis can't do something similar where it takes him another year of playoff heartbreak and then he pushes his way to the finals. He is still 26 years old, but I do think the Bucs have a much better core that can result in playoff victories. And yeah, they haven't been playing that well a defense right now without Holiday, but that's what Holiday brings and Holiday would open that window with an extension, I don't think there's any reason to believe that Drew Holiday won't sign that extension. And if he doesn't, it's a colossal disaster. But I don't, I really don't think that's where we're headed. And if Holiday says, look, I'll sign the extension, but I need, I need you guys to like work with Bud. Like I, there are things that I want to do that Bud doesn't listen to me on. Cause Holiday has been a little critical of Bud every now and again. You can see him kind of throw a little shade every now and again. It's great. Like, you you have to pay attention. Like, you have to see it in a quote from, like, Name or Kane or somebody like that. And if you see it, Kane unfollowed me, by the way. That was a bummer. I love Kane. I like Kane a lot. We don't really know each other. He followed me a long time ago. It got too big. That's okay. I'm not going to unfollow him just because he unfollowed me. I He probably got sick and tired of my takes on something. Maybe he's not a review fan. I don't know. But anyways, or I didn't have him on a podcast, whatever. But anyways, um, here nor there. It, look, Holiday, maybe he's like, all right, I got I to gotta have a little more of a voice here. And if they're like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll work with Bud and we'll make sure you guys are on the same page here. And, and who knows? So let's hope Drew Holiday can get back. Let's hope he can recover from COVID and be back with this Bucks because he'll make an instant impact. And they're going to need him with that second half schedule. That second half schedule is brutal, and Holiday is going to make a difference. I don't think this game is close if the Bucks have Holiday tonight. As for the game tonight, uh, the Bucks looked good. I mean, offensively they did. I mean, defensively, yeah, it was a little shaky, right? It was a track meet, and, and that's what you expect. I saw from the Barstool Sportsbook that Pelicans overs in the last 20 games, 21 games, are 19-1-1. That is fucking absurd, okay? Like, that is an unreal overs run. And I know a lot of people don't like the Pelicans on primetime. Why? Pelicans are really fun to watch. Like, I, I mean, Zion is incredible. I, I, This Zion is the Zion we saw at Duke. Zion, I think, was still hurt. Like, I think he looks in great shape. I think he is a monster, and he's just, he, the Bucks did a great job on him in the second half, and for those who want to criticize Bud all the time and want to have fire Bud avatars and all that shit, I mean, they held Zion to 10 points in the second half. You have to be impressed with that. Like, that has to, you got to give Bud credit. Like, you can't just ignore the fact that they held Zion to 10 points in the second half. That's that's adjustments. That is making adjustments and making sure that your best the best player on the Pelicans doesn't beat you. And this is one of those games where you couldn't let Zion go off because you Brandon Ingram was not playing well. Every time Brandon Ingram shot the ball, I felt great about the Bucks' chances. 
he just he had a terrible game. He it's not a good matchup for him with Middleton's size, with Giannis's size. Ingram was out of his element. I don't understand why Lonzo Ball is an absolute flamethrower against the Bucs. I don't get it. It happens far too often. He just must like the rims there. I don't know. Lonzo to Milwaukee if Drew doesn't sign. Some people are saying. I'm just kidding. But seriously, like, this game was cut off Zion and you can win this game. And the good thing was in the third quarter, they cut off Zion. The bad news was they couldn't stop anybody else. And so this Bucs defense is really bad without Drew Holiday. Now you add into the fact you didn't have DJ Augustine. Now DJ Augustine is not a good defender by any shape of the imagination, but still you had a depleted bench. You had to have Sam Merrill get some minutes, which I don't hate. I hope Sam Merrill can make a little impact. Who knows if Augustine's going to be back for the game against the Clippers. He may have to quarantine. I'm not sure how that's going to work, right? Because he was there for the birth of his daughter. Is he going to have to like quarantine for like a week or what? I, I don't even know. I don't, we don't need to get into that nitty gritty. But anyways, the Bucks, you know, yeah, they they're not playing with a full deck right now, and they they did all right. I mean, Dante DiVincenzo was fantastic. The last couple of games from Dante, you're starting to see him finish at the rim a little bit more, starting to get a little more confidence in his shot. With and he, I mean, he busts his ass. We know that he's one of the hardest workers on this roster. I think it's right with him and Thanasis. And he was just so good in this game. And I thought he was the difference in this one. Like, I really feel like Dante DiVincenzo, when I do, like, my recap on SoTapWI.com, like, Dante was the player of the game for me. I know what Giannis did, and we'll talk about that in a second here. But, like, Dante had such an impact on both sides of the ball. He does the charge at the end. This is what the Bucks drafted when they drafted DiVincenzo. Not only can he be an energy player, but this is a guy that can score in in doses. Like he can go. Like he is a bucket. Like whatever they said about Tyler Harrow, you could say the same thing about Dante DiVincenzo, and he just hasn't really shown it. And when he gets hot, look out. And it, it, we saw it tonight. And good for Dante. Good for him for getting that opportunity. And if he plays like this going forward, the sky's the limit for the Bucs. If you're going to get this Dante DiVincenzo moving forward against pretty good teams, we'll see how he does against the Clippers. Clippers, a little that's a level up from what the Pelicans have. Um, yeah, so it's going to be really tough to beat Milwaukee come playoff time. As for Giannis, third straight game of 35-plus points or more. I think the Giannis MVP hype is going to get louder and louder. I saw the first national guy, Sam Amick, who said it's virtually impossible that Giannis will win three straight MVPs, but he has to be considered. And I know Bill Simmons said something last week, I believe, was like, look, I'm not going to count out Giannis. If Giannis you know, does something crazy and warrants a third MVP, maybe. I mean, I don't know what that would be. It Would it be averaging a triple-double? Like, I guess maybe that's a discussion we can have next week. I know I said yes. I kind of ranted like quickly, like I'm fucking done with the MVP stuff because I kind of am because I just want Bucks fans to understand like, look, this is just how the NBA works. Like Jordan didn't win three. Okay. Like LeBron's never won three. Steph Curry hasn't won three. Like nobody wins fucking three straight MVPs. So what I'm really trying to do is just bring Bucks fans down. He's playing, and I said this on the review on Instagram and and Twitter. Please go follow. I'd, I'd much appreciate that. He's playing like an MVP. That's all the Bucks need. I don't really give a fuck about the award. Who gives a fuck? I don't need that. 
if the guy's playing like an MVP, that is all the Bucks need. And that's what he is right now. And it's fucking fantastic. And he is dominating. And guess what? I love his chances to dominate again against the Clippers on Sunday. Because A, Kawhi doesn't really play defense in the regular season. Paul George, too small for Giannis. One of the Morris twins will get abused. I forget which one they have. They have Markeith or they have Marcus. I think it's Markeith. Anyways, Markeith will get worn. Um, so Giannis is going to have a big day against the Clippers. Like, I'm just letting you know that right now. Yeah, I know it's day game Giannis. Sometimes not great. Hopefully he's regimented a little bit differently because he has a kid now. I will hope, right? Like, this will be the first day game the Bucks are playing. We've seen some shitty efforts from the Bucks in the day game. And there are a lot of people who will look at that Clippers game and say, this will decide how I feel about the Bucks, which is so fucking stupid, okay? Really dumb to do it that way. But there'll be a lot of people, there'll be a lot of folks that say the last four games do not matter. If they don't beat the Clippers, same old Bucks. I, I hate that logic. This is, goes back to we can't use a Packer brain on this. We can't have this sort of like every game is so important. The Bucks do the Bucks need to beat better teams? Yeah, they definitely do. It's definitely an issue if you keep losing to good teams. That makes me wonder how good of a team you actually are. And I do agree with what Mitch said yesterday on the show, which if you haven't listened to McKeg, go listen. I think our stuff on double standards with the Bucks and the Brewer stuff and then some of this tangents, I thought it was a really good show. Um, he said like they need a signature win. And they don't really have that resume win right now. And this would be the signature win for the Milwaukee Bucks so far this season if they can beat the Clippers in front of the national audience because it'll be on ABC at 2.30. So you really hope that this this brings out the best of the Bucks, And maybe they know that too. Um, and the Clippers just lost to the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. I don't know if they have a game before that. I haven't looked. But yeah, I mean, that was a rough loss for the Clippers. They got absolutely taken to the woodshed by a Grizzlies team that has a net, was one of the worst teams in the net rating of the last five games. They were 28th. So it's, it's, it'll, be, it'll be an interesting one. And But there will be a lot of people that will still sell their buck stock if they don't win this one, which I disagree on. I, I think the Bucks are doing enough right now that you're starting to really see it sort of come together. I, I love DiVincenzo's quote, and then we'll go to we'll go to the NFL here. DiVincenzo said this after the game, and he was wearing a Chris Middleton All-Star jersey, which is great. Uh, Eric Name quoted this. I just lost it. Here it is. It's one thing to learn to play together. It's another thing to learn how to win together. Very much like an Instagram quote. Like I feel like that's a Gary V cut out, right? But that's so true. And that is that's kind of where the Bucks are. You heard Chris Middle or uh, Chris Middleton. You heard Chris Weber be like, they're 0 11 when they're trailing. And he said it so many fucking times. And god damn it, can we stop with Marv Albert and Chris Weber? For Bucks games. Like what do we have to do. So Chris Webber and Marv Albert don't call Bucks games. These guys are terrible. Marv Albert should be put out to pasture. I'm sorry. Like I know that's mean. But like Marv Albert can't do. You know remote broadcast. Either make Marv wear a fucking mask. Or get him the vaccine. He's he's above 65. Like there's no reason that Marv can't have the fucking vaccine. Wherever he's living. Give him both of the vaccines. Get him on site. 
Have him call games with Chris Webber. Have Chris Webber wear a mask. I don't care. But stop. You can't have Marv Albert doing this. He he just he he can't keep up. He's too old. I, so I don't know how long they're gonna keep up this charade, but TNT I think has to have a long look in the mirror, especially when you have guys like Brian Anderson and Kevin Harlan and Ian Eagle. All those guys are head and shoulders above Marv, and I'm I'm sure they don't talk like in a group chat, but I'm sure all of them talk to their wives or you know, sons or daughters and say, I am so much better than that fucking old man. I would be. Uh, I, that's how I would be. But we'll see. We'll see if, the, if we're going to keep getting Marv games for TNT. Because it, they, and I don't know. I don't know how it works. Like, I don't know if people choose it, whatever. But it would have been nice to get a little Kevin Harlan and, and Reggie Miller tonight. And I know a lot of people don't like Reggie Miller, but I'm... <laughs> I, I'm just, you know, I, I think we need a little bit of time away from the Marvster. Let's move to the NFL becoming the NBA. So we have Russell Wilson wanting a trade. Russell Wilson wants out, and it seems like he really wants out. It doesn't seem like a thing that can be resolved. I have no idea how we got here. I'm sure we will find out. Russell Wilson kind of becoming a prick is an amazing heel turn. It's an amazing twist. For all of us that have watched Russell Wilson, the aw shucks good guy for the last 10 years, become this sort of diva and want his way out of Seattle, despite having a large contract that is very hard to move. Now, granted, the Philadelphia Eagles just moved a large contract with Carson Wentz, so I'm sure Wilson looks at that and says, all right, you guys can do the same thing. And Wilson has had enough. He's had enough with his offensive line. He's had enough with Pete Carroll wanting to run the football. Russell Wilson wants to be the man. And he chose four places where maybe that can happen. Las Vegas, Chicago, Miami, New Orleans. Now, convenient for his singer wife, three of those are major hubs for entertainment and where you can get endorsement deals out the fucking ass. I'd even argue New Orleans has some of that, especially with the music world. So it's no surprise to me that Russell Wilson wants to play in a bigger market where him and his wife can expand their brand because that is how they're thinking about this. This isn't just about football, okay? It's about expanding the brand and becoming larger than life because Russell Wilson has one of the biggest egos in fucking football. He does. He might be a nice guy. I'm sure he's a great dude to just say, hey, what's up? And, but like, it feels like he is always putting on a show. He is always putting on an act. And it is so tiresome. It is so annoying. And this is another version of it. And Russell Wilson will do the fake nice guy shit all throughout the offseason. And I hope to God... John Schneider drags his ass through it. And if I know John Schneider, I don't really. Our guy Murph kind of does, birthday boy. I don't think he's going to give in to Russell Wilson. Or I think he's going to trade Russell Wilson. He's not going to let Russell Wilson take over his franchise. John Schneider doesn't give a fuck. John Schneider will trade Russell Wilson. The question is to whom? I don't know. He's going to get a haul back. He is going to get a massive haul back. I don't... And, and look, I think it's 
it makes sense. If he doesn't want to be there, fuck him. Like, I, I look, Russell Wilson, one of the premier players that the Seahawks have been, have been a stable franchise for so long. But maybe you just start talking to Pete Carroll. You're like, hey, look, we can work on a successor for you. KJ Wright, we'll let KJ Wright walk. We'll let some other guys go. Like, we'll start looking at rebuilding this roster. And GMs and front office people love rebuilds. They just do. It's it's fun. It's easy to do. John Schneider is a mad scientist. Remember, John Schneider drafted Bobby Wagner and he had an F in, in a lot of grades for like draft grades because nobody really knew who the fuck Bobby Wagner was. And then he was a first round pick. So, but that's not really what we're, we're talking about. We're more talking about the NBA bleeding into the NFL because this is what we, we've seen in the NBA for the last few years. We've seen player empowerment overtake the league and when guys are unhappy, they want out and they get out and they, they figure out a way to do it and they stomp their feet and they say, why can't I go to the team I want? The recent example was James Harden. Now, Deshaun Watson seems hell-bent to not be a Houston Texan. I don't know if we're there yet with Russell Wilson, but it sounds like we are. And the NFL is probably loving this because you know what Russell Wilson Bears jersey do? Revenue out the fucking ass for jerseys. Ticket sales, if they're allowed with COVID. Unbelievable. The amount of attention that it will bring will be astronomical for the league. Same if he went to Miami. Same if he went to Vegas. Doesn't matter. Sean Watson. He goes to San Francisco. He goes to uh, New York Jets. Like Again, the NFL will print money off of this. So they are allowing it to happen. They, they don't, they're not trying to tell teams like, hey, look, figure out your shit here. They might say we're disturbed by the player movement. I'm sure that's going to come out sometime. Like I guarantee you there's going to be a Goodell story in the next couple of weeks where Goodell is like, ah, not feeling great about all this player movement or all this perceived player movement. It's it's going to happen. But at the same time, he in the back room, he's going to be like, right, can you believe this shit? Can you believe all the storylines we are going to have next season? And can you believe all the storylines we have now? The NFL was always a 12-month sport. But now it's kind of evolved almost. It's evolved to an always-on sport. Not just 12 months. Not just... We have news stories every week that are new. We have news stories every day. There's something new every day. That is how big the NFL is. And it is incredible that anything tries to compare to it. Because you just can't. It is a monarchy. Like it is king and queen and, and whatever else. They rule. And they are not going to give that up anytime soon. And adding the element of the dramatics of the NBA offseason to the mix is only going to make the NFL more popular. Because guess what? There are so many people in the NBA world, especially online, that just like it for the drama in the offseason. And Russell Wilson and the Bears, we'll, we'll have time to talk about that. Apparently the Bears are interested. If Russell comes to the NFC North, just remember his record at Lambeau Field, okay? 
Russell wants to get that ass kicked by the Packers twice a year. He he's it would uh, it would stamp the official Russell Wilson Aaron Rodgers rivalry as a real thing. And I don't think he's like going. It's not like they hate each other. I think they have a mutual respect for each other. I could see Rodgers actually being kind of annoyed by Russell Wilson because he's a fraud. Um, but Rodgers and Wilson have probably the best quarterback rivalry of anyone Rodgers has played. Now you bring Wilson into the NFC North. All right, let's dance. I think that would be a lot of fun. All right, ticket story time. So I think when I teased this on Wednesday, I mentioned that Sam Congato would be featured. Sam Congato is not featured in this game. I, it was another random Packer running back in Tony Fisher. So this game was against the Minnesota Vikings. The Packers had just clinched a playoff berth. They were 10-3. Very good team that year, uh, regular season-wise. And then they lose to the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs. But we were at the game. It was my dad, myself, his friend, and his son. His son's about three years older than me. So I was, it was 2002, so I was 12. He was about 15. So and we were both, you know, shitheads at that point. Because whatever. So we sit next to this guy, and this guy is hammered. And he's a Vikings fan. And the Vikings are dominating the Packers early. And the Vikings were one of the only teams that had beat the Packers this season. And it should have been right on the wall that an athletic quarterback like Dante Culpepper was able to kind of have his way against Green Bay's defense that year. So this drunk Packer, this drunk Vikings fan who's sitting next to us starts chirping at some point. I think, you know, at one point, the Packers were down 19-6. to He goes, I can't believe the Packers are losing at Lambeau Field. Similar to, like, that Johnsonville-Brock commercial they still play today. It's been almost 20 years. I mean, I don't know how long that commercial's been going on. It's still happening. But he would kept saying it, like, all the time. All, like, he just would not stop. And it was... Weather-wise, about five degrees. It was fucking cold. It was the one of the coldest games I've ever been to. It's a night game uh, at Lambeau, which I don't know if you guys haven't done a night game at Lambeau. It is so good. Night games at Lambeau are there's just something different. There's just a magic in the air. So Packers start to come back, and he's still chirping though. Like he's still running his mouth, and we're kind of giving it to him a little bit back, more so Ben. My dad's uh, son's friend, or my dad's friend's son, that would be the better way to say that, um, is just kind of giving it to him. And he he's kind of chirping back, whatever. And then Tony Fisher uh, breaks a run and gets the Packers the lead with a minute left. The crowd is out of control. I watched this game on ESPN, uh, at, at, or I watched it on YouTube. I shouldn't say ESPN, but I watched, it was an ESPN broadcast. I watched it on YouTube before I taped and just so many nuggets off of that, which I'll, I'll get to, but I want to do the story first and then we'll do nuggets about the game after. And then this guy, this drunk ass buries his head in his lap and is like, same old fucking Vikings. Same old Vikings. Every year we do the same fucking shit. Like just cursing mad. I think he started to start some fights with some fans around us. He got escorted out if, I, if I'm remembering this correctly. And we got to celebrate a Packer victory. Brett Favre at that point, 34-0 at home in cold weather. Little did we know Michael Vick would come and wreck that shit 
in 2002 a few weeks later. So I, like I said, I watched this game on YouTube, a couple nuggets from this one that I didn't remember. I, I remember there was a running back who ran it in for the touchdown. That was really the only thing I remembered. I thought it was Sam Carangato. It was not. It was Tony Fisher. And Tony Fisher, uh, he's, he's like a friend of the friend program. Like, I do think if we wanted to talk to Tony Fisher about that game, I think we could. Um, but so here's what I, I, I observed from watching it very quickly. It's uh, the full game is on YouTube. So if like you're missing football, like the full game is on YouTube. It's not that pretty of a game. It's worth like fast forwarding. Robert Ferguson was good. Robert Ferguson had like a hundred yards in this game. He had a two touchdowns. He had a huge catch that sprung the second touchdown. That was a ridiculous pass from Brett Favre. Um, Mike Patrick, who's a terrible announcer in his own right, we talked about Marv Albert. He thought Darren Sharper was on the Vikings. Little he was a little early on that, um, but yeah, Sharp he was Sharper makes the interception and it was a pass interference down the stretch, and it was another forty-two. And I don't know how he got it confused. I have zero idea how Mike Patrick did that, but that was laugh out loud bad. Uh, Brett Favre took some hits. <laughs> Chris Hovan. Just one of the bigger pricks that I think gets forgotten. We used to do like, I think during the pandemic, we did like a snow tap top five, like notable, like NFC North pricks. Like Chris Hovan is way up there. What an asshole that guy was. So he, they start a fight at the end of the game. There's a Hail Mary from Dante Culpepper, way short. Darren Sharper now tries to return it which is wild. And I, I didn't look at the spread and I'm thinking like, wow, that he might've covered a spread. Vikings took exception to it. Klein Saucer comes off the bench and hits Darren Sharper. And then it starts this huge ass fight. And it's just this brawl also on YouTube in a smaller version. And Hovan's just in the mix and just doing Chris Hovan things. And he's like, I don't know if he flipped off Packer fans, but he's like yelling at the Packer fans and chirping back at them. And then he gets a beer thrown at him, which I, fucking well worth it, right? Like I know some people would be like, oh, that's classless. Fuck that. If Chris, if he, if he's, if he's talking shit like that, fuck him. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I think it was a plastic cup. It's not like he's, it's not like a can's getting thrown down at him. It's fine. Um, but anyways, and, and whatever. What's Chris Hovan doing with his life? Let's do a Chris Hovan look. While we're here, it's late. It's very late. Like I, I've, I should have been in bed about an hour ago. Let's see what Chris Hovan's up to these days. All right. Oh, did he go to jail? Oh, DUI and child neglect. No, not Chris Hovan. Ooh, looks rough. This is from Oldsmar, Florida. Oh, I allowed Tampa Bay Times to get the article. That's terrible. Oh shit. Oh man. Uh, Chris Hovan uh, was arrested earlier this week. Now it's going to make me feel like an asshole. Oh my God. All right. Chris Hovan was arrested. He was pulled over for drunk driving and he had a 0.309 alcohol limit and his kid in the passenger seat. And he, he had his house up for sale in Tampa. He was a Buccaneer after he was a, a Viking. And his house was in his possession after a judge ordered Hovan to stay away from his home and family after a domestic violence accusation. 
He was a coach with the Tampa Bay Storm ALF team. He was also an assistant strength and conditioning coach for the University of South Florida. I guess that job does not exist anymore for Chris. He also in that mugshot looked rough. I do feel bad because there was a kid involved. There's a little domestic violence, obviously sensitive about both. But if you were to tell me Chris Hovan got a DUI and rocked a .30, I am not surprised. Hopefully I do not get to that level. Obviously would not drive a car on Saturday at Murph's soiree. But that does it for our show. It took a turn there at the end. Well, I mean, you, you just can't predict. Like, I was Googling. And I'm like, all right, we'll see what happens. And, and if you're like Chris Hoven in jail, I would be like, yeah, probably, maybe. Um, but who, that, that flew under the radar. I missed that um, back in December. All right, guys, that does it for our show. Uh, before I get myself into any more trouble, have yourself a great weekend. And we will be back Monday. Well, actually, we'll probably do an early Sunday pod because we'll try to do a reaction right after the Bucks game if I'm not too hungover. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.